listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 130, and today we're talking about metabolism. Well, kind of like everything you didn't know about metabolism, that's what we're breaking down today. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schoen. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Schoen. Welcome back to this podcast. It's a brand new year, and I'm so excited that we're here again on year, I believe, three of the podcast. Crazy that we've come this far, and we're on episode 130. Anyways, I'm your host, Alexa, and as always, this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I really do want to welcome you into this new year, and as I mentioned, we're breaking down metabolism or everything you thought you knew and yet didn't know about metabolism because this is the first episode in my 10 podcast episode metabolism series. Yes, we're breaking down metabolism in all the ways you didn't even know you needed to know. And we're going to be talking about things like why you can't lose weight, why you don't binge on broccoli, why fasting could be just as important as what you eat, and so much more. I even have some amazing guests coming on that are going to talk about adrenal fatigue and fat as an organ and how our circadian rhythm affects our metabolism and so much more. It's really going to be a great series. And I don't do these series very often. That This past summer, I did one on the Mindset series, and it was a huge hit, super fantastic. If you haven't listened to that, you got to go back and listen to some of those episodes on the mindset because they really are fascinating. And I have to tell you, a lot of that's going to trickle over into these podcast episodes that we're going to do. So like I said, today is all on metabolism. It's basically metabolism 101, what you really need to know, the groundwork for what no one's telling you about metabolism, but the truth behind it. What really is metabolism and how much control do we have over it? That's what we're breaking down on today's show. And I have have to tell you at the end, I'm going to give you a lot of questions to ponder because this is kind of like an open-ended podcast where I want to challenge you to kind of create new thoughts and new ideas based on your own reality of health. What I mean by that is that so often we just listen to the health industry and all these diets and what we should be doing. And this time of the year is no different. In fact, it's so much worse at the first of the year. So instead of that, what I really want to encourage us to do is to really break down all of our old views of nutrition, of all of our old views of dieting, whether it worked or didn't work for you, and just really start to come to a clean foundation, like a clean base with this as we build on it, because then it will make sense. Today, I'm going to try and break down some of those myths to help get you started and get the ball rolling. But really what my hope and my dream with this metabolism series is not that it would be this quick bullet, another diet plan but that it would be something that you could establish based on you. And I'm going to give my thoughts at the end, kind of some more things for you to ponder about what metabolism really means for you and what that looks like for your health. So stay tuned for that. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that you can always find the show notes over at simplerswellness.com backslash 130. And that's always followed by the episode number. So today is 130, but any episode number, you should be able to find it at simplerswellness.com backslash the episode number. And in the show notes, you can find some more details about the show and some more resources that I provide for you. Also, all the resources that are mentioned in the show can always be found there. But something else that's pretty cool is that over in the show notes, you can sign up for my newsletter. And the reason I want you to sign up for my newsletter is because that's where we break it down into realistic, everyday lifestyle things that you can be doing. 
And given it's a new year, we're back to doing the well-nourished year. Yes, it's completely free, but this year-long challenge of really getting to know your body, of understanding it, and I want to help take that steps further. So here in the podcast, we're doing a lot of education and some practical tips that you could be doing, but over at the well-nourished year on the email list, I'm going to be showcasing a lot more practical tips that you could be doing, little things, small changes to add to your everyday to make great changes in your life. So head on over there and sign up for the email list. If you haven't already, you won't be disappointed. Okay, but now we're going to get right to today's show. We're going to dive right into this metabolism series. Get ready for this. The big point that I really want you to know in this first episode is metabolism isn't what you think. It's not just the measure of weight loss, but so much more. And even further than that, weight loss isn't just a measure of what we eat and how much we exercise, aka the calories in equals calories out formula, but a measure of your entire life, mind, body, and soul. And that's the big point we're going with today. Metabolism is not a function of calories in equals calories out. Sure, calories do play a role in it, But that's not the end-all be-all. In fact, it's so much more than that. And as I've mentioned on shows past, like if it were really as simple as calories in equals calories out, we would be a nation of thin people because there's a thousand and one apps that will help you count your calories. They don't even count your calories for you. You really don't even have to do the work, right? But it's so much more than that. And so that's what we're going to dive into. So metabolism, right? It's this big trendy word of the year, and it seems to hold this magic bullet for people. I don't want to give you a spoiler alert or anything, but metabolism really is not a magic bullet. Sure, it can be, but only in health, right? And so this whole series is not to give you the next magic bullet or to help you lose weight quick. It's not another diet scheme or anything else like that. This is the real hard truth of what your body is and how it functions, and what we could do to provide for it. Because that's what I want you to know, is that your body is not the villain in the story. In fact, your body is the hero. It it knows how to do health. It was born in health, with health, and it wants to be healthy more than we ever give it credit for. We just have to learn how to do that. So that's what we're going to teach you. And so when it comes to metabolism, most of us actually have a deeply flawed understanding of metabolism. Like We thought that if you boost your metabolism, you'll lose weight. And that's not always entirely true either. So this idea that metabolism is inherently tied to gaining and losing weight is not wrong, but it does miss the forest for the trees. So today we're going to understand what metabolism actually is. And over the course of the next 10-ish episodes, we're going to understand how to fix our metabolism and we'll even dive into weight loss. So stick with me. But more than any of that, it's about health, right? It's about living healthy, feeling healthy, and nourishing your body, which I'll warn you, I'm purposely leaving this episode open-ended, like I mentioned earlier, because I want to challenge your past beliefs, and I want you to start to come to your own understanding of what health looks like, to hold up all of your past beliefs, question them, and see what has worked in your life and what hasn't. In this whole series, here's what I want you to do. Like if we're staying too close to the center of health, right? If we're so zoned in on all these processes of the body and weight loss and our hormones and our thyroid and all these things, it can become really, really, really confusing. But when we zoom out, we're able to look at our life as a whole and start to recognize 
how are we treating it, and what changes are we able to make so that we can see bigger change? Because what I know to be true is that it's the same thing over and over, right? One system affects another system, and all the changes that we should be making are essentially the same thing, right? Eat more whole foods, exercise more, right? Take nourishment, get enough sleep, all these things that we know. The question is, how do we get ourselves to actually do that? That's what I want to help you do. But again, we have to have that this zoomed out view of our life in order to do that. Yes, we're going to zoom in specifically on metabolism, but what I want you to see is that metabolism is in every single cell of the body. Like it's not a system on its own, but it's a part of every other system in the body. And it's not just one system that we can blame, but they're all interconnected and powerful and complicated in nature. And we can't even begin to understand the complexity of the human body. In most cases, I don't even think it's actually necessary for us to. But what I do think it's necessary is to have this knowledge that creates this love for your body so that you want to feed it and provide for it and sleep deeply so that your body can be everything that it was created for. And I think that we miss that in this big view of weight loss, right? Like when we come to the table and we look at all the health magazines and all the things floating around the internet, it's kind of biohack your body, push your body to extremes, do for your body what it's not doing for itself, instead of just coming alongside of your body and helping it to do the job that it's designed to do. So we have to ask, what is metabolism, right? Because it's not just calories in equals calories out. It's so much more than that. In fact, it's not just about calories, but metabolism is defined as the sum of all life-sustaining chemical reactions in the body. It's this enormous web of interactions on the molecular level that aim to keep you in homeostasis. So that's the goal with metabolism. It's not just about weight, but it's about homeostasis in general, which is a state of balance best illustrated by our near constant body temperature, right? That our homeostatic measures in our body are keeping our body at the same temperature regardless of if you're stepping outside and it's negative 30 or if it's 110. Our body is working to maintain that, like so many other things in our body, like our heart rate and our respiratory rate and our blood pressure and our hormones and our neurotransmitters and so many other things. This is our metabolism. And scientists categorize most of the chemical reactions that make up our metabolism into two processes that happen simultaneously and constantly. Those two processes are, which you've probably heard about, catabolism and anabolism. Catabolism is basically taking these large molecules, which come mostly from the food that we eat, and breaking them down to extract energy and their smaller molecular building blocks. So basically, in a number of processes that our metabolism goes through, which you can go over to the show notes and see the entire web of the metabolic processes in the, processes in the body. I mean, it's enormous. But they've broken them down into two categories. You can either break down or you can build up. And our body is constantly and simultaneously doing those things. So for catabolism, it's taking large molecules like from our food or if we're not eating in the absence of food, it's breaking down tissues in our body into smaller molecules that can then be used for other building blocks. And anabolism is the energy acquired to assemble those building blocks into something biologically useful like tissues and organs. So we're using catabolism on one hand to break things down in order to get these small particles in order to build them back up into something that your body needs. It's really a delicate balancing act and a constant effort by your body to produce the right amount of energy and the right raw material to survive, 
Remember, metabolism is a survival mechanism of the body, right? Like this is how we survive on all fronts, our homeostatic mechanisms. And yes, there are many organs and many different hormones and neurotransmitters that go into the process of this. In fact, you could say every single thing in our body has an effect on our metabolism. And why do I say that? Because our metabolism is inside every single cell in our body. It just differentiates between what kind of tissue or organ or substance that is. And we're going to talk about that later on. So along with your genes, most could say your metabolism makes you who you are. In fact, it's more accurate to say your metabolism is who you are rather than you are what you eat. Like you are your metabolism. That is a more truthful statement than you are what you eat. Of course, when we talk about metabolism, though, you've probably heard other terms, and I quickly want to define them for you because metabolism can be really overwhelming, and you might be wondering, why do you even need to know this? Well, it's important because you're probably going to hear these at some point, and it's important to start understanding that it's more than just what the diet industry has told us. Like there is so much more. And if we can start to fix our metabolism or at least nourish it, right? Like that's a better word for it. It's not, not at least, but to nourish our metabolism, then we can start to see huge health changes in our life. So there's three things that I want to help define because I think these are important to know. You've probably heard about them. I'm going to talk about them a lot in this series. And so you just need to know them. One is metabolic pathways. And these are the strings of chemical reactions that happen in the cell. These collectively make up metabolism. Again, you can see the entire layout of all the metabolic pathways in your body over on the show notes. It's really amazing, somewhat confusing and overwhelming if you look too deeply at it, but just glance at it and recognize the complexity of this. Then we have ATP, which is adenosine triphosphate, which is essentially energy, right? It's a small molecule that serves as the energy currency of the cell. When ATP is broken down, it releases free energy the body can use to do work. And then the last thing, which I kind of already defined, but I'm going to say it again, is homeostasis, which is a state of balance in an organism in which most variables like body temperature remain constant. So the big point, again, is a fully functioning metabolism makes losing weight and staying in shape a lot easier, but that doesn't define if it's fast or slow. You can do the same in either bracket you fall into. So when we hear the words like, I just want to speed up my metabolism, or they can stay slim because they have a fast metabolism, the truth is, whether you have fast or slow metabolism, we can function the same way. We can maintain and lose weight in either category. I know it's like mind-blowing, right? That it's not just about speeding up your metabolism, but rather it's about nourishing your metabolism. And your metabolism is going to change based on a lot of different variables that we'll briefly talk about. But again, it's not just like you can't use the excuse you have a slow metabolism because you can still have a healthy metabolism even if it's slower than someone else's. Will it take more work? Maybe. Not always, though. Like if we're all nourishing that, even if you have a slower metabolism, it is going to help you lose weight and at least maintain it. So that's pretty cool. But when we go into this fast or slow metabolism, like what do we mean by that? So if we go back to the equation of what metabolism is, it's the sum total of the living cells energy producing and energy utilizing reactions. 
And we can find that there are three ways that our body balances this energy. One is caloric intake, obviously the food that you eat. Yes, this is the famous calories in. And then of course, on the other side of the equation is caloric expenditure, which is how much we're burning. But there's one additional thing that that equation doesn't take into account. And that's caloric storing, which is based on a host of all, a lot of other things that are happening in the body, including our emotions, our mindset, our stress levels, our hydration, our vitamin and mineral count, like so many other things, right? So yes, while calories in and calories out seem pretty basic, numbers you can actually calculate, what's harder is this caloric storing. And that's where metabolism really throws this for a loop. So if we want to take this further, we can break cal- caloric expenditure down into three more sections. One is our resting metabolic rate. This is just at rest, right? While you're sleeping, while you're doing nothing, most of life is actually lived here. Your resting metabolic rate accounts for about 80% of your caloric expenditure in any given day. Then you have the thermic effect of physical activity, right? How many calories you can burn just by moving, doing your exercise routine, all of those. That's only about 15 to 30% of your caloric expenditure. And then you have the thermic effect of feeding or the thermic effect of food and how many calories it takes to break down the food that we're eating. And that's roughly about 10%. But when we look at metabolism and the complexity, obviously there are a lot of factors that go into play. So when we go back to this resting metabolic rate, taking up the majority of the caloric expenditure, that is really the key that we want to change, right? Or we want to work with. Yeah, we can change the thermic effect of physical activity. We can all be more active. But that activity is really a small percentage of the total caloric expenditure that you do in a day. Some people like to think of exercise and changing your metabolism like using a butter knife to row a boat. Like, yeah, it's gonna work, but it's gonna take a long time to get there if it even works, right? I'm not saying that exercise is not worthwhile. There are a lot of other things. In fact, that is one of the great ways to help metabolism. But just relying on a change in exercise to change your metabolism is a false belief. On the same time, changing how you eat doesn't really change the caloric expenditure of that, right? Like our thermal effect of feeding is pretty relatively the same across the board, but it's our resting metabolic rate that makes up 80% of our caloric expenditure, and that is areas that we wanna change. So when we look at the metabolism and the complexity, obviously there are a lot of factors that go into play. And rather than looking at metabolism like a muscle or an organ that you can flex or control, Let's look at it as a series of chemical processes in each cell that run the calories you eat into processes that keep you alive. Like mentioned, the basal metabolic rate or your resting metabolic rate measures how many calories you burn while you're doing nothing. It's the culmination of different tissues with different needs and how many calories it takes to keep them functioning. So for instance, the brain, right? It's a part of your body that doesn't carry a lot of weight, but in itself, it expends a lot of energy. In fact, 20% of your basal metabolic rate, or this rate at which you're at rest, actually stems from the brain itself. So it's not always about mass, but about functionality. And I think that's what's so cool about metabolism and why we can start to understand why just having a slow or fast metabolism doesn't really matter. And what matters more is the nourishment of it. So as we're gonna get into this, what we're gonna learn is that Our metabolism will compensate. Our cells will compensate. And I'm going to give you an example later on in this podcast if it's not a good thing. 
And what I mean by that is, is you're doing something continuously over time that's not nourishing to your body, your cells will compensate and your metabolism, because it's a function of homeostasis, will work to maintain even, even if that's unhealthy. Eventually, this leads to burnout and disease and other things, but you can kind of see how your body's constantly working to maintain even the harmful things into a positive way so that your body can continue to function normally. And that is the biggest survival mode of our body, right? And so rather than just trying to work out or eat less to rev your metabolism, what we need to know is how can we nourish our cells and provide the space that they need to be healthy because it's at the cellular level that we change our metabolism and we change our basal metabolic rate. And if we can do that, we can see great and lasting change. But again, it's not a magic bullet and definitely doesn't happen fast. So what I want you to know about metabolism before we get into the controversies and questions to ask yourself is one, metabolism can vary a lot between people and most actually don't understand why. In fact, science doesn't understand why this happens. I mean, we have a semi-understanding of how diets work, of course. In the short term, they essentially biohack your metabolism. But long term, we also know how that turns out. Not well, right? What they're doing is your body is essentially compensating for the lack of calories and the increase in exercise expenditure, causing all kinds of stress, a change in neurotransmitters and hormones like cortisol and insulin to go through the roof. Eventually, your body gives in. But what we still can't understand is why metabolism varies so much from person to person. And Will Wong, a researcher and professor at the Johns Hopkins Center of Metabolism and Obesity Research states, we don't understand the mechanisms that control a person's metabolism. Of course, they're predictors like lean muscle, age, genetics, and environment, sex, and even menstrual cycle. But outside of that, everyone is really unique. And that's what's so cool about metabolism. And I think something that I don't want you to feel the weight of, of to say, well, if there's not a set of rules, how am I ever going to get healthy? I want this to be freeing to you and to recognize that you are different from your sister and you are different from your coworkers and you're all going to respond to exercise in a different way and food in a different way and your environment in a different way. Sure, there are recommendations that we can give you, which I will, (laughs) But we really have to kind of be our own detective here. We have to create our own health style of sorts and start to understand what is working for my body, what is working for my lifestyle, and do more of that. Because there is not one system that works for every single human. Again, if there were, we would be a nation of really healthy people. But this is going to involve an individualized approach. And I hope that you use that to free you up, right? Like not to scare you, not to bring you down, but to really free you up. So again, number one is metabolism can vary a lot between people. Like for instance, you can have someone of the same body weight, right? That look completely different. You can also sit two people down and they're going to metabolize Uh, orange much differently between each person, right? Like everyone is processing things differently. And that's what makes health, quote unquote, complicated, but also free. The second point that I want you to remember when it comes to metabolism is dieting slows down metabolism. I will repeat that. Dieting slows down metabolism. I know we've been sold on this idea that if we just buy into one particular diet, we will walk the path of thinness. But research has found time and time and time again that 
In the long run, no matter their macronutrient composition, all diets have the same modest results, right? Like they just don't work. And truthfully, there really is no best diet because everyone is going to metabolize that in a different way. So dieting doesn't do anything to help your metabolism. Instead, there's lots of proof that caloric restriction and starvation and restriction and deprivation and the mindset behind that can actually cause your body to go into more paranoia that there isn't enough food, which means it's going to go more into the anabolic phase of building things up and storing things more. So it kind of goes back to the caloric storing that's outside of the equation of calories in equals calories out. This is where that comes in. When our body feels threatened, it feels like it needs to survive. We have a poor mindset. Um, We have excess inflammation. Our environment's poor. Something's going on, right? And that's where our body will start to store things differently. And what that looks like is different for every single human being. But what we do know across the board is diets do not work. In fact, they're going to slow your metabolism down. And people know this, right? If you've lost weight on a diet and you gained it back, you know it is much harder to lose weight again, even in a healthy way. It's because your body likes that set point and wants to do what it can to stay healthy, to survive and really to thrive there. So while you think it's a bad thing, your body thinks it's a really good thing. And so you kind of have to come to this agreement and start to provide what it needs without pushing it to the extreme. It's a really delicate process, but it definitely can be done. So fixing your metabolism is going to take into account varied personalities, preferences, and genetic makeup, which all respond to different lifestyle changes. Number three is a slower metabolism doesn't mean keeping weight off isn't possible. Again, we kind of think we need to speed up our metabolism. We need to rev our metabolism, but that's not always the case. It's the health of your metabolism and what's realistic for you. Some people are just inherently going to have a slower metabolism, where some people are just going to have a faster metabolism, regardless of age or gender. Now, when we put those into account, of course, younger Male types are going to have some of the fastest metabolisms we could see, but at the same time, there's so much variation in that. And just because you have a slower metabolism doesn't necessarily mean that you are doomed to be overweight or obese. In fact, it has no merit in that. So we need to let go of that mindset and know it's more about nourishing your metabolism rather than trying to speed it up. Because sometimes speeding up can actually do the opposite. It can then become like a diet, causing your body to go into stress, change the mindset, and change the different pathways of your body into survival. So it's a very fine line. But number four is adding more muscle doesn't necessarily make a difference, but movement in general does. So what I mean by that is that, again, we kind of have this idea that we have to push ourselves and push our bodies. But what research is finding is that In fact, the people who lost the weight and kept it off the longest are the ones who don't regularly exercise, but they're just more active in their everyday life. In fact, the number one choice of exercise for the people in this study that they did of 10,000 people who lost a significant amount of weight and kept it off for over two years is that they found that the number one source of movement in any given day was just simply walking. I mean, that was by far the leading point that people made and the source of exercise. Like they switched their mindset from just doing CrossFit every day and then going to work and sitting all day. And they instead switched their mind to just going on walks and being more active and taking the stairs and parking the car further or biking to work. All these things that seem outrageous and super 
and symbol and things that we've heard all along, but it's the people who are actually living that out that are seeing the greatest improvement. So again, it's not just about building all kinds of muscle. Will building muscle make you more metabolically active? Sure, because there's a thermic effect of our muscle mass, but generally speaking, your organ systems and your basal metabolic rate generates 50 to 80 times more energy than anything else that we could do. So again, it's not just about exercising more, but it's about moving and incorporating that in a realistic way into your life. And tip number five is it's not a system kind of thing. Fixing metabolism, you see, isn't a system kind of thing. I wish it were because then I could have like the next health book that was all the rage, right? But when we think back to what metabolism really is, we have to remember that the metabolic pathways are part of an intricate system with fairly straightforward goals of keeping you in balance, given the constant changing environment. So what we know is why it's not a system kind of thing is because our environment is constantly changing. And if the system doesn't change with the environment, then we're kind of out of luck, right? Like again, why maybe diets don't work over the long haul is because it's a set rigid plan that doesn't ebb and flow with life. And that's what we know is we don't live in a vacuum, right? That we are constantly bombarded by our environment and our environment is constantly changing. And I don't just mean that based on the seasons, but if you live in a seasonal place like I do, where we experience four seasons, then of course our body is changing with the seasons. But it could be changing with the seasons of life, whether you're a teenager going into college or a college going into marriage or marriage going into having kids, like all of this changes your life drastically. And having a system, having this one size fits all means that you're not ebbing and flowing with the environment like your body is, and therefore you're going to stumble. So think of reactions on the molecular level as you would your own behavior on the surface. So like you get cold, right? You put on a coat. If you go on a run, you get thirsty, so you take a drink. Likewise, the chemical reactions that make up metabolism react to their conditions on the cellular level by keeping you humming along. Remarkably, the body can compensate with a variety of circumstances and still find a way to function. So if you're trying to do this diet and it's not happening seasonally, if you're doing too many of the wrong inputs or the wrong ingredients all together, it puts stress on your metabolic pathways and things don't work as well. And that's where we stumble, not just a slow or fast metabolism, but if it's healthy or if it's unhealthy, and adding too many of the wrong inputs can really tax our metabolic pathways. And that's not what we want. So even if we go back to the podcast on seasonality, which was a really popular one, and I think so many people found value in that, right now in the dead of winter, if we're just constantly consuming a lot of cold foods outside of the environment, right? Like our body is cold. Now we're eating all this cold foods. Those are triggers. Like those are the wrong inputs that are actually stressing your metabolic pathways. Can your body compensate? Of course it compensates, but in time, it's going to cause stressors and you're going to get annoying symptoms that you don't like, right? Like weight gain and a lack of energy and muscle soreness and exhaustion and all the things that we think we're trying to fix or we just blame on the winter blues. Well, maybe it's just inputting the wrong things in the wrong space and time rather than just ebbing and flowing with the environment. Those are the big points I want you to remember. And when we think about these inputs, like think of sugar, for instance, So you eat a bowl of sugar at every single meal. Super unrealistic, I understand, but just bear with me for a moment. So what happens is the body's gonna create energy efficiency in the form of ATP if it needs that sugar. 
So basically it's gonna use what it can, and if it doesn't need it, it's going to reroute the base molecules of carbs, fats, and even proteins that you eat along with it into different metabolic pathways that focus on storage rather than energy, creating the result, which is body fat. So again, if you eat sugar at every meal, essentially your body is going to use the sugar that it needs, and then if it doesn't need it, it's gonna reroute that along different metabolic pathways to focus on storage. The one component the equation is missing, again, caloric storage. Not only will all that sugar likely end up being stored as fat, but it can also put a stress on metabolic pathways because now you've changed the flow, making them work less optimally over time. And enough of the wrong inputs leads to metabolic disorders, including things like insulin resistance, a risk factor for diabetes, heart disease, and all the things. <laughs> Not what we want. So again, it's the inputs that matter more than if it's just slow or fast, but how nourishing are we being to our metabolism? Which I believe is a big point to remember is the constantly changing environment in which we live. We have to create our own health style, which is a word that I just made up. It's like, you know, I look at all of this and think, what are we doing wrong? And we're just trying to be so static with our health instead of just looking at our environment and ebbing and flowing. And I think that we can do this just like kids do this so well if we let them. Like our my kids go through seasons where they eat everything and then seasons where they eat nothing. And it's really frustrating as a parent because one day they'll like something and the next day they'll hate it, right? And sometimes that's just them learning. But in other times, it's just them listening to their intricate body and providing what it needs based on the environment in which it lives. Like we don't know how hard our immune system is working to fight something off that we will never even have symptoms of. And at that moment, our body needs maybe more energy than another moment when we're getting energy from the sun and we're working out and all the things. So we have to learn to ebb and flow with our environment and kind of create our own health style. I like to think of it as an outfit. And like in the winter, we dress differently than we do in the summer and we add layers and we kind of make it our own unique style based on our preferences. And if we start to listen to our body, then we can kind of start to create our own health style based on what our body needs. Like I know in the winter, I need more sleep. I just do. It's harder for me to wake up earlier than it is in the summer, like everyone based on the natural light cycles. But what that looks for me is in the in the winter, I go to bed an hour earlier than I do in the summer. And I actually sleep an hour longer in the winter than I do the summer. So it's just a change in health style. And there's a lot of other things that I do on my routine, just small little things in my everyday life that have a bigger impact than completely changing your diet altogether. In fact, I'm still going to be a proponent that it's not so much about what we eat, but about the how and the why, right? Um, it's about ebbing and flowing with the environment, which is a podcast for another day. So where does the controversy lie in all of this? Well, there's quite a bit of controversy when it comes to metabolism and some of the reason why, I don't want to say controversy because the science is really backing up and supporting this whole idea of a health style. But the controversy lies in what the magazines and all the diet industry is telling you. And that's that food and nutrition are the end-all be-all. And that these are the two and only variables in metabolism that matter. In fact, that is so untrue. There are so many other variables that matter, like your stress, 
how your vitamin and mineral balance is inside your body, your hydration status, your liver and pancreas function, your insulin sensitivity, exercise, your mental health, your sleep, your hormonal flow. So many things matter outside of just what we eat and how much we exercise. So that's one truth that I kind of want you to fight through. And as I give you these questions, I hope that you'll help work through that. Another controversy or lie is that food is our only source of energy which again, I highly disagree upon. Yes, I mean, speaking equation-wise, we can measure the caloric energy of food thanks to modern science, but I really believe that we're getting energy from the sun. I mean, plants do, yes, and that's how we then get energy from the sun, but I think there's more to that. Like, I think when you go outside, you can physically feel the energy coming from the sun, just like having your feet on the ground. Like, there's grounding energy. There's all other sorts of energies, even things like gratitude and our mind. All of that is producing positive or negative energy, which is having an effect in the body. So outside what the food industry is telling you is that it's only a matter of what you eat. It's so much more than that because what we know in research is to prove this point (laughs) that a sun and energy from our emotions and gratitude and things like that matter. If we take someone and give them a piece of cake, right? And one person eats a piece of cake in the right mindset and a happy attitude and a a mindset of health and one eats it in a negative mindset, we know that the person who ate the cake in the negative mindset stored significantly more calories as energy than someone who was in the positive mindset. And again, there's the caloric storage that we're not really talking about in this equation that makes a huge difference. So our mindset matters and we're getting energy from other places. And even having a positive outlook on life is providing energy for your body in a positive way. And the last lie that I want to bring is that it has to fit inside an equation. And wouldn't that be nice? Like, I agree. It would be so nice because we could create an app and we can make this simple. But the thing about metabolism is it doesn't fit inside an equation. Like we don't exist in a vacuum and neither does our network of chemical reactions that constitute metabolism. We could use this to be overwhelming and daunting, but I really hope that you use this information to be empowering, to know that it doesn't fit inside an equation, but what it does fit is based on you and how you're feeling and how your body's responding. That takes self-awareness, which I think is a little hard that some people may be even scared to look inside about how they're actually feeling. But once you start to do that, you kind of break down the lies that you're telling yourself. You can really learn a lot about yourself. You can know when something's working well, when something's not, what makes you feel good, what doesn't. You can really start to learn a lot because those are our biofeedback loops that tell your body how it's doing and what it needs. And it really does give you and communicate all the things that you need. Okay, so those are the top three lies, controversies that I really want you to break down. Think through them in your own life and start to come to your own conclusion on health, which gets into the questions I want to ask yourself. One is, outside of just food and nutrition, what else is affecting your metabolism? Like, I want you to stop in your day and I want you to think about this. Like, think about every situation that you've been in today and start to question, how did it make you feel? How has this affected your metabolism? Like think to the interaction you had with your boss or maybe the negative comments that you and your spouse threw at each other this morning. Or maybe it was a positive interaction with your friend or going to lunch with someone. Like how did those things affect your metabolism? I think once we start looking outside of just food and exercise, we can start to realize that everything is having an impact on our metabolism and our health. And then start to pinpoint how you feel on a daily basis, including how your vitamin and mineral status is, 
how stressed you are, how your hydration levels is. Do you feel constantly dehydrated or do you feel well hydrated? How hungry are you? How hangry are you? Maybe it's a better question. How does your exercise make you feel? How's your mental health? How well are you sleeping? Start to look at all of this because again, another thing that they found in that study with the 10,000 people who maintained weight and or who lost weight and maintained it for over two years is one thing that they found with them. I think this is really critical is they knew what the cause of their weight gain was and they also knew the motivation they needed to get rid of it. And again, I think we try to remove the emotion, the mindset from this, and we just try to make this something that we do. But health is never something we do. And as long as we stay there, we will fail. Health has to be who you are. And that's the difference, right? We all know our friends who are healthy and you might even call them like, oh, she's just a runner or she's just a health nut or um, he just loves nutrition, right? Like he just knows so much about it. But here's the deal. You can be one of those people, right? It's not just something they do. Now you've classified that as who they are. And that's what I want you to become. I want health to just be who you are. It's not so much what you do, but it's just your life, your everyday. It's a part of you. And that's where we're going with this. So to continue with these questions, like, can you actually feel the positive and negative things of your everyday actions having an effect on your body. And I don't mean this to scare you or to harm you, but I think the awareness of this helps us to move forward. And then ask yourself this honest question. Has dieting served you well in the past? And if it has, what worked well? Like, what can you learn from that? And if it didn't, what also can you learn from that? So again, asking yourself those questions. And finally, the secret, I believe, to the finish line is can you picture that healthy person? Like, can you imagine what a typical day would look like if you were healthy? Can you see what's on your dinner plate in the kitchen cupboards? If you can, that is great because that's what I want you to start choosing right now to envision the end and start living as that healthy person. It's not just like I going to hold on to my skinny jeans or I'm going to hold on to my fat jeans until I know I can stay there. No, it's living as a healthy person because that's how you become a healthy person. It's again, not something you do, but it's who you are and you have to start being that person today. So that's your homework. I'm going to leave these questions in the show notes, which is simpleartswellness.com backslash 130. Clearly, I'm a little passionate about the subject. I'm super excited for the metabolism series to break down what we thought was truth and raise up what is actually true. And again, to make health who you are, not just something you do. And that's what I want to help you achieve. So I know that this is kind of open-ended. I didn't give you any specific things that you should be doing to fix your metabolism or anything like that. You kind of had this idea running. My thoughts are it's got to be a health style. And that's why I ask you so many questions about how do you feel? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel bad? Starting to recognize how your daily, everyday life is making you feel. And from that, then we can start making changes based on your health style. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Oh, actually, I have one interesting study. Again, just to break down, you know, the diet claims that we have going on. So when we look at metabolism, hummingbirds, right, have been studied over and over because they have the highest metabolic rate in any animal in the animal kingdom. And that's looking at a variety of animal models which have a backbone. And What they found is that hummingbirds have the highest metabolic rate. In fact, they have a wing beat of 60 to 80 strokes per second. 
Interestingly, though, most of their diet comes from sugary sources like nectar, and they have a blood sugar level that would be considered diabetic in humans, yet they manage to burn through it rapidly to keep, the, keep their wings fluttering at top speed. So I just want you to put the correlation that metabolism isn't just about getting rid of sugar or adding sugar, like, right? Hummingbirds have the highest metabolism, and yet they eat probably one of the highest sugar diets in all mammals and have one of the highest glucose rates. Now, I'm not promoting that we eat more carbs, but what I am saying is metabolism is not a function of a diet, but it's independent of who you are. Your metabolism is who you are. You are your metabolism, whatever way you want to say it. And we have to start knowing this and understanding our own genetic makeup and our own environment and how that's impacting us so that we can make the appropriate small changes to see lasting results. And the kicker is, is it's not a quick process, but it's a slow one that starts off maybe with a little bit more discipline and difficulty, but it really does get easy and simple because again, if you're doing this right, health becomes who you are, not what you do. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Think through those questions, go to the show notes and come back next week as I'm going to break down a little bit more specifically one specific hormone that has a huge impact on your metabolism and that's leptin. Then we're going to get into some interviews. I have other podcasts like why we don't binge on broccoli, um, five places you shouldn't eat, a lot of things like that. Again, just to help you understand that, that it's more than just what we eat and how much we exercise, but about our way of life. Okay, so stay tuned. Invite your friends in on the series. I know that it's going to be mind-blowing. Some of the interviews that I'm conducting, I can't wait to dive in. I'm excited to learn, and I know you're going to get so much out of this. So invite your friends. Join them have them join Simple Ritz Radio. And don't forget to have them go to the show notes at simpleritzwellness.com to sign up for the email list, to join this tribe, and stay tuned. Get on that email list because I'm hosting live classes all year long, once a month, on different topics. The, the first one has been announced, so you can go to the website to sign up for that. I'll link that up in the show notes. You're going to want to join in that and find me over on social media where I'm living this out in my everyday life through the Wellness Year. You can find me on Instagram at Alexa Sherm or Facebook at Semperance Wellness. And like I said, I would love to have you and invite your friends. I know that they could be impacted just like you have and join this community of like-minded people. Okay, like I said, that's it for today. Come back next week as we dive into leptin, the one hormone that could change everything. In the meantime, don't forget to take a deep dive into these questions, do your homework, and I'll see you back here next week.